All right. Looking again at what's next, uh, continuing from this morning's message, let's look in Second Peter chapter 3, and we're going to just begin right there where Peter is addressing uh, the things that are to come. So, this morning we were talking about some of the things, especially what we are experiencing today with some of the uh, the shootings and things that are going on that's kind of hard to understand. Scripture's very plain that these things would happen. doesn't describe it exactly to the T, but it, it, it gives an explanation of everything that we're seeing. And then Peter continues by saying this. He says there in verse 1, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. Now, I know that uh, I, I, I didn't notice this, and Mark, this just jumped out to me. And I know me and Mark is kind of on the same page with some of these scriptures, but you've heard me say this before. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 is one of my favorite scriptures because a lot of people don't want to use the Old Testament for application in our lives today, but, but Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 tells us this. It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So when we read this, what were the Scriptures that were written aforetime? The Old Testament. All right, now Peter, seer, that was Paul that told the Romans to not forsake the, the reading or the remembering of the Old Testament. We're to use those things as the principles of God and learn them for our understanding. Here in verse 2, he basically is saying the same thing that ye may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets. Again, it tells us and gives us reference to the Old Testament scriptures that we are to be mindful of those things. We're supposed, we should teach them to our children. These are the examples that we use to teach our kids the principles of faith. I, it just comes to my mind. How are we supposed to tell a child to be faithful and to step out on faith unless we use a story, something like David and Goliath? When David stood out against a nine-foot-six giant, David, just a young boy, the giant had a, a shield and an armor-bearer and a spear and a javelin and a sword, and little David stood there with a slingshot. Well, that don't make any sense. But on, on David's side, he had God on his side, and he had faith that he could slay the giant. How can we teach our kids faith without using such an example as it gives us in the Old Testament Scriptures? This is what Peter is telling us. Use those Scriptures. And then he also implies and says, And of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord, our Lord and Savior. So he is referencing the Scriptures also that we read Paul writing to the, the churches and James and John and, and, uh, and Peter. He's referencing these apostles that have given us scriptures that we need to know about. So he's talking about the end times in this. 
And this is what we should be doing at the end times. We should be studying and knowing what God's Word is. Verse number 3, he says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Okay, again, we're talking about the end times. We're talking about the things that are coming. We're talking about the things that we are seeing in the newspaper every single day. That time is here. These are the, and this is what the scoffers of the last days are saying. Verse number 4, And saying, Where is this promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep... Now, who are the fathers? Abraham, Moses, David. Now, when the Jews are talking about their fathers, the Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, all of those, he says there, where is this promise of his coming from since the fathers fell asleep? All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. This is what he's saying. The scoffers are going to say this. Oh, you preachers and you churches get up there and talk about a rapture. And this. He said nothing's changed in 10,000 years or something like this. They'll say that nothing's changed in a million years. It's all the same. That's what they're saying. Those are what the scoffers are saying. We should not be surprised when we hear things like this. But look what he says. For this, they, keep in mind who they are, the scoffers. For this, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water, perished. It says right there, they are willingly ignorant. They are willingly the scoffers. The scoffers are willingly ignorant of the fact that the day came when God flooded this earth and judgment was brought on this earth. And when you go and you look in the the science books and the history books of our textbooks in school, they refuse to acknowledge a worldwide flood. They absolutely refuse. They will not acknowledge it. And we know geologists proclaim. They say it's quite evident that there was. Now, we don't know when it was, but there was absolutely, positively a flood that flooded this earth and there was a civilization Prior to that flood, they go through and they find the sediment and they dig through the sediment where the flood took place and they find civilizations below the sediment. Even the earth proves that there was a flood, but this what the scripture says, these scoffers will continue to willingly be ignorant of the very evidence that the world tells us. So these are, we need to understand that we are living in a day probably of the time more knowledgeable to any society to ever live. We are aware of DNA evidence and they still teach evolution in our schools where DNA evidence proves there's no such thing as evolution but they continue and willingly, ignorantly teach something that they know is false. Shame on them is right. I mean, they, they are so blinded 
by the enemy that they will continue to teach something even even they know proving themselves that it is is not factual. So this is what we need to expect from the end times. And we are there. I mean, it is here. Verse number 7. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is something that we don't see much of. But the heaven, the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word. Now, when we, we notice this where it says the word right here. Verse number 5, it says, For they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old. In other words, when God spoke that the heavens will open up and, and the ground will open up and water will come down from heavens and broke open the, the springs of the earth to flood the earth, when God spoke that word, that's when it happened. Now we're back down here in verse number 7. But when the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, this is something we don't hear much preached about. I mean, everything. everybody in the church are very, is very acceptant of the fact that we know that there was a flood. And we know the whole history of Noah and his family and the things that followed that. But now the Scripture also tells us by the, the same Holy Spirit, that this earth is reserved for fire. The same word that brought the water that flooded this earth is the same word that is going to bring judgment on this earth by fire. Verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as of a day. In other words, this is basically just saying that God is not concerned with time. Time is something that was instigated when He created the earth and He put the earth on a 24-hour cycle. Time only exists here. Time doesn't exist in heaven. There is no such thing as time in eternity. It just It's forever and ever and ever. So a, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years a day to God. But again, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So let me ask you this. By God delaying His coming, by God delaying His, His taking away of the church, what does that mean for the people who are lost in our society today? It continues to give them chances to be saved. It continues to give them chances. We had the young lady come this morning. Shannon came this morning professing Christ as her Savior. I thank Rachel for instigating that and teaching her and, and asking her about her belief in Jesus Christ. Then we had another young man, Jason, come up after church. He's... My goodness gracious, Miss, uh, Miss Sandra has picked him up on the bus ministry so many times. He's went to camp with us so many times. And that seed finally grew legs or finally broke through this morning. And he says, I need to know how to be saved. Sandra took him into my office and showed him what he needed to do to be saved. And he asked Jesus to forgive him of his sins, come into his life and save him this morning. 
So what we need to understand is not God's not slack concerning His judgment. God's not slack concerning His coming. He tells us it's going to happen. But every day that it's, He puts it off is another day and another opportunity for salvation. Another day and another opportunity for salvation. Verse number 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, did you hear that? We, we, know, we know the whole story of the flood. But what about this, this earth, the earth and the heavens being burnt up? That's something that we don't talk about much. But it tells us when the day of the Lord will come, it will come as a thief in the night, and there's going to be judgment brought upon this earth, and it will all be destroyed, and it will be reset. So this is what I want to do tonight. I want to bring this to our attention that this is going to happen. I want to look at a few more scriptures in other places because this is what's next. This is what's next. This is in the coming days. Let's continue with verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? In other words, listen, if God told Noah, you go and you begin to preach and you preach for 120 years, that's how long it's going to take you to build this ark. You tell them that the judgment of God is coming. You tell them they better be ready. You tell them of the grace of God that God desires to save you and to rescue you. Now, I believe he could have told Noah right up front, you preach your heart out, but you're not going to have a single convert. Remember, when God put Noah and the animals in the ark, how many days did he leave the door open? Seven more days. What was that seven days? That seven days was an invitation. That was God's grace saying, Anyone, all who are willing, come. No one heeded the preaching of Noah. This is what he's saying. In the same Holy Spirit that led Noah, the same Holy Spirit has led Peter to tell you and I the day is coming when this earth is going to be destroyed. We must be ready. We must be ready. I mean, if we realize that, this is the question. If we realize that, what manner of person ought you and I to be in all the holy conversations and His godliness? What kind of person should we be if we realize that? Man, I'm telling you, we need to put our personal issues aside. There's something far more important going on here than our personal issues. And that is the, the eternity of souls who are around us. I want you to know, Satan doesn't have to have you be uh, uh, completely just a, a, a bad person. He doesn't necessarily need you to be out there just uh, an ungodly person. If he can just make us Christians busy and distracted with our own lives, he is succeeding just as well as if you'd be out there just being a, a rotten person. If he can just keep you focused on yourself and your own issues and you're not telling anyone about Christ, your light's not shining in the world, he's accomplished his task. 
That's all he's doing. We should recognize what we see and we know is coming. Man, we should be so concerned about the lost around us that we're beating on their doors and we're, we're telling them about Jesus every single day. Verse number 12, Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, well, did you notice what are the elements that we have that are recognized in our, in our science books? And so the elements are the basic, I mean, down to the very raw material of this earth. The very raw material of this earth is going to melt with fervent heat. Verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein that dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace without spot and blemish. Uh, Verse number 15, this is what I was mentioning a while ago. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So we're going to stop right there in Second Peter, but I want us to look at a couple of other things tonight concerning what he was talking about. This earth one day is going to be purified by fire. A couple of another verses, a couple of other verses that reference and talk about this in Matthew twenty-five. You'll remember this is when uh, Jesus is telling them of the judgment of the sheep and the goats, and he gets to the point. And, he, and if you'll remember, he says something to the to the ones on the, his left. He says, "You didn't come and see me when I was in prison. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me." Now you know the 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 parable I'm talking about. And then he turned to the righteous, the ones on the right side. And when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came and you saw me. And then he tells them on the right to enter into glory. Those on the left, he says, depart from me. Now, so notice what it says in Matthew 25 and verse 40. It says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it, Unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, unto everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. This is a reference to there is going to come an end of time on this earth. There's going to come a single judgment at the end of this and the evil and the unrighteous and the unbelievers are going to depart and go to an everlasting lake of fire, and those that are saved are going to enter into the glory of God. And this verse right here lets us know there is going to be an end. Well, let me look at another verse. Isaiah 51 says this, Isaiah 51 and 6, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke. And the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. 
So what he's telling us there, it is telling us that there is going to be a day that the heaven and the earth is going to be done away with. It's going to be computer terms. It's going to be rebooted. Now, Brother Wayne, what day is that? Where can we find in Scripture what's going to be taking place and when this is going to be taking place? Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse number 1. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse number 1. And I'm not going to, we're not going to take a great deal of time tonight discussing this. I know I have spent some time on this before, but we want, this is what's the next event. The next event that's going to take place on this earth is when Jesus Christ comes and appears in the sky and he takes us home to be with him, talking about the church. If you want a reference for that, you can go into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. I'm not going to take the time to read that, but it tells us the trump of God will send, the dead in Christ shall rise, and those that are alive will meet him in the air. Talking about the rapture. Many people disallow that statement because the word rapture is not in the Bible. That's what it describes. It describes the word, the word rapture is a Latin word that was in in some of the Bibles when they were written in Latin, but it's not an English word. Okay, rapture is a translation word from a Latin word, which means to be taken away, which means to be snatched up, which means to depart from. Okay, so watch this in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He says there, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him. Anyone have any doubt what he's talking about right here? He is talking about the day that we, His people, will be gathered together unto Him. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as the day of Christ is at hand. Now what was happening over there, some people had received a letter that they believed Paul had written that was telling these people, hey, listen, y'all missed it. Jesus has already come back. And they were worried. He said, listen, don't you be worried about that. Because, and then he explains himself in verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day that Jesus comes and takes his church out, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now that word, and you've heard me say this, and again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Except there come a falling away first, or a great departure first. Falling away would be the difference. I'm fixing to, hey guys, I'm fixing to fall away. I'm fixing to go from here. I'm going to fall away from here, and I'm going to fall away to Livingston. In other words, I'm fixing to leave here, and I'm fixing to go to Livingston. I'm not going to be here anymore. This great falling away, when you look that up and you study that scripture right there where it's talking about, many people believe that there's, oh, there's got to be a great falling away of the Christians. In other words, it's going to be a great, the churches are going to depart from following after God. It's got, 
There can't be many churches left. That's not what he's talking about. He said, listen, this son of perdition, he said, and I want you to know, the son of perdition is not going to be here until there is a great departure of the church. We're going to fall away because Jesus Christ is going to come and take us from here and we're going to fall away into heaven. We're going to be departing this place. So understand that the tribulation, the Antichrist, cannot come until the church is taken out. That's what he's describing here. That is what, what is going to be taking place when the rapture takes place. Now, uh, I, I, let's see if I've got a scripture here for that. Uh, look in Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. I do have a scripture for this. We're answering the question again. What next? Because the scoffers are here. We, we are experiencing the scoffers uh, that, that Peter and Paul refers to that are taking place in the last days. When we look in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, it tells us, and John is speaking and it says, And I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse. He that sat upon it, he was called faithful and true in righteousness. He doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, uh, that he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it it should smite the nations." And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treaded the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Now this event right here, when Jesus Christ is coming on a white horse and his armies that are following him, understand that is not the rapture. God is going, Jesus is going to come and he is going to meet us in the air. According to the scriptures, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. We're going to be called up to meet Him in the air. Then after seven years of God's wrath that is described in the book of Revelation that is brought upon this earth, horrific times, times that no one has ever seen before. Think of the worst incident that's ever taken place on this earth and quadruple it by a hundred times. And it's not even going to come close to what those seven years are going to be like. I mean, I was going to say millions of people billions, there's about 8 billion people on the earth today. Billions of people are going to perish in that seven-year period. But then the Lord is coming back. The Lord is coming back on a white horse, and the Bible tells us that vengeance is His, and He is about to perform uh, an act of offense with the Word of God, and He is going to destroy all of the enemies of God. Turn with me to Zechariah. Zechariah, I think it's two books back from Matthew. That'll help you be able to find it real quick. Malachi and then Zechariah chapter 14. I tell you, this is a good scripture. This right here is a good scripture for you to underline in your Bible, to highlight in your Bible especially in the days that we live in today because these are 
This right here is some questions that a lot of people ask about. But in Zechariah chapter 14, it starts off and it says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Now, every time you see where it says the day of the Lord, understand this, it is not the rapture of the church. The day of the Lord is not. The day of the Lord is a horrific time when God comes from heaven and He sends His Son Jesus, and we're fixing to read, He is going to put His foot on the Mount of Olives. And when He does, I mean, it just divides a valley. And when he puts his foot down, all of the armies of, of the nations have come up against Jerusalem. And God has appeared and he is fixing to rescue the nation of Israel from all of the nations of the world that have come against them. I was listening to a song the other day that, that Brother Wayne was telling me about. And it's about the death of Lazarus. And the name of the song is Four Days Late. Listen. When Jesus is four days late, He is right on time. He hadn't missed it a second. He is right on time. Now listen to what it describes right here. This is Zechariah chapter 14 verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided into the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. You know what that sounds like to me? Did you hear what just was going on? It sounds like Jesus is late. The women are being ravished. Half of the, half of the, the, the population has now been taken into captivity. I would be thinking, Lord, you're late. Look what you are allowing to be taking place to your people. Then it says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the east. And on the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley and half of the mountain shall be removed toward the north, and half of the mountain shall be removed to the south. And then it continues to tell you what's going to take place. If you want to read the rest of this story, go back to Revelation chapter 19 and pick up at verse 16, and you will read the rest of what's taking place right here on the day of the Lord. Well, Brother Wayne, we started a long time ago talking about when is God going to bring fire upon this earth. All right, here, this is when this is taking place. I want you to know when, when Jesus comes and He puts His feet on this earth, I want you to know all of the unrighteous are taken out of this earth. All of the unrighteous are removed. And God is going to establish on this earth for a thousand years if you want to look at that, Revelations chapter 21, just, just real quick. I'm just wanting to get to us what's next. Now, each one of these, these scriptures that I'm going to would be real easy for us to spend lots of time on them, but we'll just not do that tonight. Um, now, this is uh, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. 
This is John speaking, and John says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So at the end, at the end of this this uh, time, what we call the, the, the tribulation, at the end of this seven years, God's going to send angels down. He's going to take Satan, and he's going to take him captive, and he's going to put him in a place for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. Now, you can read, go back and read, and you're going to see at the end of that thousand years, he's going to be released again. But, okay, Brother Wayne, we still, you still haven't explained where this fire thing is coming in. Now, this is where we're connecting the dots. At the end of that thousand years, the end of that thousand years, the only ones that are going to be left on this earth, the only ones that's going to be left on this earth are those who are believers in Jesus Christ. All right? Now, I've got a, I've got a whole passel of scriptures that we could look up and we could show, I could show you when, in the book of Revelation at the end where it says, he sees all of these, these uh, saints robed in white. And he said, what are these? These are those who have come out of the great tribulation that are redeemed, that are saved. So there's going to be a number. There's going to be a number still left on this earth that are believers. Now, how is it then? This is, the, this is kind of the question that I can't answer. How is it then that God is going to destroy the heavens and the earth with fire? Where are these that are remaining on the earth that are saved that's going to go into the millennial period? Where are they when this earth is destroyed? I don't know. Okay? I don't know, but there, there is a hint. If you go to the book of Daniel and you look in chapter 12... It tells us there that, uh, I'm not going to read it all. If, 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 well, I've got to start at least by, at verse 11. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 11. And again, watch this. This is, some of, many in here are going to go, I don't understand what you just said. Okay? But I'm asking you to take that bar like if you're doing a bench press, I'm asking you to take that bar and hold it in your hand right now. And you might be saying, well, Brother Wayne, I have never heard this before. I've never heard it put in this context. Be ready to strengthen yourselves, okay? The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, or yeah, chapter 2 and verse 15, to study, to show yourself approved, to workmen under Christ who need not be ashamed. This is, this is part of the studying. Watch what it says here. And from that time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and this indicates the three-and-a-half-year period uh, of the tribulation, and the abomination that maketh desolation is set up. There shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Twelve hundred and ninety days. All right? Now, what we see, we know that three-and-a-half years is twelve hundred and sixty days. There's a thirty-day period in there that God doesn't tell us what takes place. All right? Then watch this. It says, Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred five and thirty days. In other words, a thousand three hundred and thirty five days. But go thou, talking to Daniel, go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest 
and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Here's two periods of time that exceed the seven-year period of tribulation. Nowhere in the Scripture does it give us an indication what takes place for those 30 days or what takes place for those additional 45 days. No, nowhere in the Scripture does it tell us what takes place that day. But this is what the Scripture is telling Daniel. He said, Daniel, you be patient when your lot, when your group, when it's time for your group to come out and populate this earth again. I have got you protected right now. You're in heaven right now. But until I get ready, I will put you back on this earth, but wait for your lot or your time to come because there's going to be a thousand-year millennial reign here on this earth. Now, I hope that just the scriptures that we have looked at tonight, we started in Second Peter where Peter says, listen, these are the things that are going to be taking place uh, next. In the last days, These what we're experiencing right now indicates that we are in the last days. And these are the things that are going to be taking place next. The next thing we are to look for is the rapture of the church. Following that, there's going to be seven years of tribulation. Following that, God, Jesus Christ, is going to come and put His feet on this earth. He's going to destroy the nations and he's going to speak his voice, and it's going to the nations are going to be destroyed. Then, just like Peter said in Second Peter, then the world is going to the heavens and the earth are going to succumb to the fiery furnace of God, and everything is going to be restored. And then, for a thousand years, as Satan is taken captive and he's placed in the bottomless pit, this will be like heaven on earth right here. It's going to be like Adam and Eve was experiencing before sin. That's what this earth is going to be like. The Bible tells us that Jesus will rule and reign as the king on this earth. He will be. He will rule it like a rod of iron. It says that the lion will lay down with the sheep. Our children will be playing with snakes. I mean, it's just going to be a place that there, it's going to be paradise here for a thousand years. Let's just stop right there. There's a few more events after that, but let's just end right there on this thousand-year period. We've, I'm telling you, I put a lot of weight on both ends of that bar hatting tonight. <laughs> okay. So what's next? Those are the things to come. What's important to us? Make sure you know Jesus. Make sure you know Jesus. Make sure you believe in His birth his death on the cross for our sins, the resurrection that gives us power over death, sin, and the grave. Make sure you're ready. All right. I want to thank you for being here.